Welcome everyone to the Polaris podcast. I am Jeremy Wipek, a partner of the Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, and we have with us Jeff Powell. So Jeff is our managing partner and chief investment officer. Jeff, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. So Jeff, a lot of really interesting things happening uh, in the economy, in the markets, and certainly uh, we're starting to see some of the fear levels uh, rise. Can you give us a summary of some of what is causing concern with uh, both consumers and also the financial markets? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, uh, you know, I, I don't mean to sound like a little bit of a broken record. We talked a little bit about this offline that we're kind of going to be going over a little bit of a rehash of some of what we've already talked about. But the the reality is it's certainly worth talking about in some detail. And that is that, you know, right now people are starting to panic a little bit uh, regarding the potential of inflation and uh, what that really means to them. So uh, right now we've got some shortages of some things that are everyday product. We also had the ransomware of Colonial Pipelines, uh, which is forcing gasoline prices up. And uh, also, you know, it's kind of a, a big deal on the on the east coast where they're having shortages true shortages of of gasoline so you're starting to see some panic buying uh going on at some of the uh, uh gasoline stations running up and down the eastern seaboard and so jeff this is something that's been on everyone's radar that this might happen to some extent what is the reason why people are expecting inflationary pressures and obviously this is a bit extreme with, uh with shortages occurring but what was the main driver on why people had feared that something like this might happen? Well, a lot of it is driven by stimulus. And so you're, you're throwing trillions of dollars uh, at our economy. And so, you know, just to kind of put it in perspective, I mean, uh, our GDP uh, is under $4 trillion. We've already thrown over $5 trillion, uh, at this thing over the course of the last 12 months. And there's talk about more money being thrown that way. And that's with our economy, you know, coming back out of a major recession. Uh, so really having almost free money to borrow from. So it means that you can leverage uh, yourself uh, extensively. Uh, from there, you also are looking at having uh, the Treasury, uh, U.S. Treasury going out and buying U.S. Treasuries uh, to keep buying pressure on uh, bonds. Again, buying pressure forces prices up and yields down. Uh, so you've got that going on, as well as the government cutting checks. Uh, but some of it is creating kind of a um, kind of a weird situation. Uh, you and I, again, we're talking about this a little bit offline, but when you're paying somebody uh, at a level that they perhaps weren't even making when they were working, which, again, the stimulus packages that went out last year, 75% of people that were receiving support from the government we're actually making more money than when they were working. So how do you motivate somebody to get off the couch and into a job when they're getting paid more than what they were uh, just collecting unemployment checks? So they're wondering why there are shortages of you know, people to process chicken and pork. And we're starting to see uh, issues with shortages there, not because we don't have enough chickens, we don't have enough people to process them. You're running into people for Uber and Lyft, same issue. You're running into people that are, are qualified drivers uh, for gasoline trucks. They were talking about gasoline shortages even before the Colonial Pipeline uh, ransomware went on. So you've got a, a lot of very odd pressure uh, that's going on within the markets. 
now. One of the things you brought up before uh, was we kind of knew it was going to be coming on, uh, but it's been coming on in strange ways. Yeah, and that's that's very interesting where I think a lot of people had on their radar that we were going to see either price increases or potentially some shortages in material goods just because there's a lot of money out there, a lot of money chasing a finite amount of goods. And so that's a natural um, scenario where you have some scarcity or rising prices. But the service side with drivers and other things, when we still have a lot of people unemployed, I think that is the part that's really been uh, uh, that's caught a lot of people off guard. Um, and I find it very interesting that uh, President Biden spoke recently about people if, um, that are on unemployment stating very clearly that if you're offered a job and you don't take it, you're not eligible for unemployment benefits anymore. And I'm curious to your thoughts. Do things like that typically work? Does that start to turn the labor force around to where we start getting people back to work and start removing some of these scarcities? Or does it tend to take more time to have... Uh, because people move back into the workforce to start uh, helping with some of these shortages that we're experiencing. Well, it's it's sort of a fine line. I mean, so when you basically are telling people that they must go back to work, I mean, obviously, that's kind of a, you know, we, we don't have a dual system like uh, Europe has, uh, specifically England has. Uh, we are uh, a full democracy. And if it's uh, left to kind of the free hand and will of the economy, then those people really either need to be working or they need to be, um, you know, literally being in a very bad situation. And again, when, uh, you know, you and I were talking, I, I just kind of said, and thankfully I can knock on wood, say that I've never been in, in, in this situation. So some of it makes it really hard to sit there and, and pass judgment but you know, I basically had said to you that I don't know that I would be able to uh, to do that if I was in that situation to not work, to not demonstrate to my kids uh, some sort of of self worth uh, from you know working a hard day. And uh, your comment was, well, after doing it for three or four months, you might get pretty comfortable with it, and that's true. So I think that there's something to be said about uh, at you know there's a carrot and there's a stick. I mean. Both of them work. I would much rather entice off the couch with a current, but sometimes the stick's necessary in order to make people get out and, and start working. Yeah, and uh, well, it'll be interesting to see how this unfolds over the next uh, several months. And then Jeff, with regard to investments um, and the portfolio, what are things that you're looking at? What are things that people should be thinking about with regard to their investment selection? and how they can either one protect themselves if this does continue to grow from here or two to potentially even take advantage of this on the flip side and uh, use this as an opportunity yeah so there, there's a lot of moving pieces going on right now i mean one of the biggest things that is happening is obviously um a, a rampant ex, uh, expansion of COVID in places like india um and you're, with that comes some disruption of technology and vaccines and a number of things. It's a, a little ironic that the country that produces the most vaccines in the world is the one that's getting hurt the most right now with what's happening with COVID, but it, it is what it is. Um, so if we're looking at it in that kind of regard, uh, we've got to be really careful with uh, with how we're viewing certain items. We also have sanctions going on with, with China on uh, certain ship manufacturing, which is having a direct influence on 
electronics and on cars and a number of other things. Um, and some of that uh, and negative um, is uh, the impact that it's having on other chip manufacturers. And you know, one's first reaction might be, well, that's really strange because you know, if we're uh, shutting down chip manufacturing of some of these Chinese companies, I would think that that would have a positive impact. But you know, if you're building a car and you need a specific chip that's not being allowed to be shipped from China, and that car also requires another 50 or 60 chips from US manufacturers, that's gonna have an impact because those other chips are not gonna go into that car either. And so you're, you're seeing a bit of that going on with uh, some of uh, the US chip manufacturers. Um, and that's having an impact. Uh, but again, uh, to to the point of we're we're seeing kind of disruptions with, um, you know, you you had a shutdown of wood production and steel production during the midst of COVID because people didn't think the economy was going to snap back as quickly as it has, and it it, it has surprised a lot of people uh, with where things are, and that's been driving up prices. I mean, lumber prices are up exponentially, steel prices are up exponentially. And we just got uh, U.S. consumer price uh, prices uh, just came out at 4.2% above where they were a year ago. That's above average uh, um, uh, price movements. So really, you know, the question becomes, is that a sustained thing? Is that a short-term thing? But uh, you asked what other things we were looking at. I mean, the other disappointment out there was the uh, the unemployment claims. I mean, the sit there and see uh, job creation being slower than what we were projecting it to be is of concern. So uh, you know, looking at economic data, those types of things, looking at earnings, uh, looking at uh, economic growth, those are all things that we're looking at. And a lot of it is really, really good. I mean, the, the earnings that have come out, uh, we've had a, a huge um, earnings growth this year and they're expecting it to earn this last quarter. And we're expecting that to continue. Uh, but some of it is based upon stimulus. I think that you know the biggest thing that people need to kind of take a deep breath, realize that you know inflation with stimulus is an inevitable thing. Uh, it's just a question of how much we want to stomach, and then you know how do you combat it? And you combat it by owning some of the the producers of the commodities, which we already do, um, and you you do it by owning stock and outgrowing it, and that's something we already have been been pushing for years. Yeah, Jonathan, uh, that last comment, you uh, you outgrow it, I think is a, a big one and one that I know we've talked a lot about in previous podcasts, but for those that are just listening to us or haven't heard, what should they be doing from a higher level allocation perspective? Where should they be looking more towards? What should they be looking to either underweight or avoid with the rising inflationary and naturally we'd expect rising interest rates to come along with it? Well, valuations become very key in this, and and I think that we've kind of hit on that uh, at nauseum uh, of uh, where we've seen overvaluation, uh, a lot of your work from home, uh, entertain from home stocks that had huge run-ups uh, and also have very high betas are the ones that are getting hurt the most right now uh, and this pullback. So uh, with, with what we're looking at, we are... Um, still very, very, very interested in industrials. We're very interested in certain parts of consumer discretionary. But you know, if you were to see a market that was getting more volatile, and more unstable, going back to the staples makes a lot of sense. Going back to financials, we know there's going to be a huge energy demand uh, coming up over the summer. That would be another area uh, that I would continue to work within. 
Uh, and then the material segment of the market makes all the sense to its own. Uh, even real estate in uh, these circumstances is an area that has historically uh, done just fine, uh, given what we're talking about. Got it. And so and just to kind of uh, tie that together, and so it sounds like is equities and things that are able to naturally uh, pass those inflationary pressures are looking very attractive. And then, of course, the classic seesaw relationship where if inflation is going up, interest rates are going up, then your higher cash flow generating assets like fixed income don't uh, have the ability to overcome the inflationary rates that are being experienced and oftentimes will sell off because of that inverse relationship between rates and, uh, and their price movement. Um, Jeff, any other uh, concerns or any other items or opportunities for that matter that people should be aware of as they continue to, to digest this information and try to make sense of all the, the different, uh, I guess, pressures that we're facing in the economy? Well, I think that it's, it's worth reiterating, uh, again, what to do with cash. Uh, I had a meeting with a, a very nice gentleman yesterday who is in the process of coming on as a client. He's selling a business. And so, um, you know, one of his questions was he was going to be coming into cash, what to do with that cash. So a very logical question. And so I, again, kind of joked with him, I'm like, get it right. You know, get it right with when you put this cash to work. So Again, I just said that CPI came in at 4.2% this uh, year over year, April over April. So if you're sitting in cash from April of last year to April of this year, your cost of living got 4.2% more uh, expensive. Yet if you're sitting in cash earning nothing on it, you've lost 4.2% of the value of your account. So if you got $100, you got stuck sitting in the bank doing nothing for you. Uh, it's now worth 96 cents. You know, where will it be next month? You need to be able to grow that. And so one of the things that, that I always talk about with our team is if somebody has left their money in cash, that is a decision. You know, when they tell you no, or I'm not comfortable putting my money to work in the market right now, that's making a decision. It's almost like saying that you're going to sell something. It's the same thing. You've made the decision to sit out. And what you're doing in that circumstance is you are guaranteeing yourself a very, very, very long time uh, to be able to sit there and recover your losses. Uh, you will never recover uh, losses from uh, a uh, perspective of buying power because each year you're going to be under what the, the current limits are. But you really have to think long and hard about it. So again, when I joke about getting it right, put some of your money to work right now. 30, 40, 50%. I mean, we always talk about the fact that most people move in extremes. They're either all in or all out. They're completely excited about what's going on or completely terrified, you know? So let's do it in shades. Let's do it in ways that make sense. This is the, you know, the, the cash market is basically earning you nothing. So why not be in a position where you take advantage of it? So, and what I mean by that is, Either way you go, you're going to be right. If you put half your money to work right now and the markets go up, guess what? You've got half your money working for you. You didn't have that working for you before. If the markets retreat from where you were, then you made the right decision at dollar cost average. You've got another 50% of your portfolio that's going to be buying over the course of a six-month or a year-long time period in order to get that part right. You know, so either way, you're going to be getting it correct. The other thing that you, you kind of hit on, Jeremy, that I think is, is worth reiterating 
is you've got to start putting more of your money into the stock market, not the bond market. Now we, we've got 10-year treasuries yielding 1.68% right now as I am recording this. 1.68% for 10 years. Now the historical norm for inflation over the last 50, 60 years is about 3.5%. So forget about what they are right now. You know, and again, we've got uh, a CPI that came in uh, just for this month at 4.2%. Uh, but really kind of if you're looking at annualizing it, looking in the, the high one, low 2% range as uh, where it's kind of waffled back and forth over the last six to 12 months. So if we're looking at it in that context, already you're saying that you're willing to give up buying power. You know, let's just make it simple and say it's 2% CPI, um, even though the historics are three and a half. But let's just say that, you know, again, over the last 10 years-ish, okay, well, you're saying right now that you're willing to give up three-tenths of 1% for 10 years. It's a 3% loss on your money. If you put 100 grand into that, you're basically saying, oh, by the way, great investment. Give me $97,000 back in 10 years' time. You've lost buying power and real money. I mean, that's really what you're looking at with regard to it. And so in the situation, you know, you really, really, really have to think uh, outside the box more. What if it turns that out that you, when you buy it, it's only a 2% CPI, and then CPI does lock in at that 4% level for an extended time period. Now you're losing even more. So you got to be fluid. you got to be tactical. you got to be intelligent with where you're putting your money. Look at duration risk. Look at real risk. Um, you know, and um, really you've got to, Think long and hard about a second opinion on, on money that's being uh, held away from us. We are happy to help you. We're happy to sit there and, and uh, show you ways that would improve upon your circumstances. Yeah, Jeff, thank you. <clears throat> that's a great um, uh, a great explanation. And, and just kind of summarize uh, what I heard from you is uh, when we look at time, right? Time can either be an asset or a liability for people. And in the market, right, time is one of your biggest assets. In fact, one of the biggest determinations of how successful people are is how long you're in the market. But right now, time is a liability when you're sitting in cash and when you're sitting in, in safety type assets that are generating um, uh, cash flow. And so what we want to do is to shift your, uh, our client's wealth and everyone's wealth more into the side that uh, the time's going to help you and not going to whittle away at their uh, their hard-earned savings and investments because of the the impact and the inability of assets to overcome inflation when they're in those safety areas. So Jeff, thank you so much for the time. Really appreciate your comments and appreciate your insights with regard to some of the, uh, the trends that we're seeing take place in the market. Of course, my pleasure. And so to all of our listeners, thank you so much for, uh, for giving us the time that we shared with you. And as always, be happy, be safe, be healthy. Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, is a federally registered investment advisor. The information, statements, and opinions expressed in this material are provided for general information only and are subject to change without notice. This material does not take into account your particular investment objectives, financial situation, or needs, is not intended as a recommendation to purchase or sell any security, and is not intended as individual or specific advice. It should not be construed as investment, legal, or tax advice. Before acting on this material, you should consider whether it is suitable for your particular circumstances and, if necessary, seek professional advice. Polaris Wealth does not offer professional, legal, or tax advice. All information contained herein is believed to be accurate, but accuracy cannot be guaranteed. Advisory services are only offered to clients or prospective clients where Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, and its representatives are properly licensed or exempt from licensure. Past performance is no guarantee of future returns. 
Diversification does not assure a profit or protect against loss. Investing involves risk and possible loss of principal capital. No advice may be rendered by Polaris Wealth Advisory Group, LLC, unless a client service agreement is in place.